This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. We are officially live. Yeah, super loose tonight. No major outline. Did you guys romance either uh, Karth or Juhani in any of your playthroughs? Or are we here pretty much to talk Basla? Well, Juhani isn't an option unless you mod it in. What? Juhani is an option only for female Revan, but you can mod it in for male Revan. Juhani's romance was cut from the main game. If you are able to do it, it's through a mod. Oh, I didn't see anything because I said that. Bioware. It said it was only female. It's implied, but it's not an official romance. Like if you go into, I used to have it. I used to have the official guide. She's not listed in like one of the possible companion things. Mm-hmm. She is her. It's implied a little bit for a female Revan because some of the dialogue still left over there. But Bioware cut it at the last minute because Lucasfilms was afraid of the backlash of a same-sex romance. I have thoughts about the Jahani romance too, just in general. I have done it with the mods. I've done them all. I've done all the romance. All right. Ben, what about you? Did you do Karth? No. No. (laughs) I knew that answer. See, I play myself in the game when I play RPGs, so no. (laughs) No shame. No shame. It might be the only one of the few games where I can actually say, yes, I have done everything. Mm. Like every choice, every terrible, evil decision that you could make, I have made. Well, it's old enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I have to cut back to Jahani really quick because um, I was researching. So I was like, when I did the script, I couldn't find anything about it being cut. The only thing I can find, which is on Wikipedia and Wikipedia is that when the game was first released, there was one line of romance dialogue, which is all you get anyway with the female version, for male Revan also, making people think she was bisexual. But Bioware released a patch where they corrected it because she is supposed to just be a lesbian and is still, like, it says she's the first LGBTQ character that was created in Star Wars. But I don't know. Like, I couldn't find anything saying that it was cut intentionally. But I did see when I was writing the script that the reason that they made it so subtle, like they did, like they didn't uh, have her say I love you or anything, was, was because they didn't want backlash. But it's also, like, so minimal and only for female Revan, which back then, the demographics or games still skewed really male. So most people probably were picking male Revan and not realizing she was romantic anyway. And people probably just straight up killed her. So I don't know, but that's not what it says there. Who knows? Well, it's interesting because I remember, and I'll have to go back because both KOTOR 1 and KOTOR 2 have extensive restored content mods. So sometimes mm. it's hard for me to remember what is 
actually yeah. in the game and what is the restored content i mod. did find a reddit post from seven years ago also saying like does her romance come in the restoration mod like content mod and people said that it was just for female only and there were some dialogue things about her feelings on candorous candorous ordo i don't know how to say that name mm-hmm. about him that i guess you could restore that they did cut but i couldn't find anything about her romance being cut it was just like lines of dialogue that about other characters that they cut i don't know it, it was such, such a stretch to call it a romance to begin with so right but i, I mean i have thoughts of Jahani. um just about her romance in general it's not great but (laughs) good we are here for the tea just for the record on steam so this does not include my xbox hours i have 182 hours logged for kotor the first one wow that's more than i have in cyberpunk I have yeah, 760 like for KOTOR. It can, I mean, it, you can shit. take like 20 hours to beat KOTOR. It's not that long. Yeah. Yeah, but to, to play it 100 and, what'd you say, 162 hours for the first one? I figured it wasn't that long of a game because games weren't that long back then. No, I've done everything and I've done it and I've played multiple mod load orders and things like that. Um, yeah, 760 hours on KOTOR 2. That's more than I have in Mass Effect. Okay, let's see. To title, my only game that is higher than that is original Skyrim with uh, 1,100 hours. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to hear I want to hear Austin's thoughts on Juhani first, because we were already talking about her, and I know you don't like it. I so would also exactly. love to officially start a podcast That's, and maybe do I was an gonna, intro. <laughs> I was going to say something oh, about You kind of just <laughs> launched into it, so I was like, I guess we're going to record the intro later. <laughs> um, you know what? I love the chaos of this, though. So why don't, since I restarted recording the forever ago, we'll just keep it and run with it and go from there. Because um, okay. I love this level of chaos. And... If you are new here, welcome to this beautiful fucking chaos. And welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who was going to read out how long she had been playing these games for to begin with as my little quirky intro for the day. So I guess that works out. Loving 2.0 patch, by the way, in Cyberpunk. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm Ravada, the girl who's here to talk about Star Wars, but my mind can only think about Astarion right now, so please excuse me and my fangirling. <laughs> Don't shake your head at me, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Ben, we are joined by two amazing guests. Uh, both of you have been on the show separately uh, many, many a times, so our fans know and love you. Ben of Tamaria, a.k.a. Ben of Wizarding World Lorecast, a.k.a. Ben of Final Fantasy Lorecast, a.k.a. Ben of... You have another... Sh- Witcher Lorecast! You're the new co-host of the Witcher Lorecast! Congratulations, dude! <laughs> I have it to my namesake now. Yes! <laughs> Congratulations! And also Teacup, Teacup of the many, many shows himself. Uh, welcome back on Teacup of the Assassin's Creed lore cast, Teacup of 
the Dragon Age lore cast, and there's one more. There's the Aragon, um, which is no longer producing out shows. But then, of course, the show that you guys both do together, and the reason that you are here tonight, uh, Holocron Histories, Legends versus Canon. Uh, everything to do with Star Wars. And so you are here to help do a wrap-up episode talking about Bastila, Karth, and Juhani. Hello. That was a lot of words all at once. Somebody else speak now. I just want to preface this that I immediately ignored Caden Alenko because he was voiced by the same voice actor that voices Karth. You know, that's not the first time that I've heard people say that uh, at all, that they did not like they did not like Caden because of Karth. Yes, he might have died because of that. Yeah. (laughs) No, part of it was that I played Mass Effect as a uh, early teenager. And so naturally I did the stereotypical thing and romanced Ashley. And so it's like, I'm not killing Ashley. I love her. So Mm -hmm. Uh, it's so funny because for me, I obviously played Mass Effect first and then uh, started doing research on this. So I instantly had the, oh, I kind of like you because he's Caden. So That's it went backwards for me. I, as someone who has not played KOTOR or KOTOR 2, but Mass Effect, I definitely can see how going one way could really bias you either positively or negatively towards Raphael Sparge. But also, I mean, Caden is so much better than Karth. I, don't, I, I would, if, if it was a choice between like Karth and Bastila on Vermeer, Obviously, Karth dies, but it's really hard for me to kill Caden. I agree. Yeah, I would, I would pick Caden over Karth, hands down. Ooh, but would you choose Femshep mm-hmm. over Bastila? Um, either of you guys can answer because I will. I was Femshep, so I have to k- choose me. You know, yeah. Bastila could probably save herself. Bastila, she's still a little because, force field. You know. Though, I mean, if you think about it. You could save Finship and Basila will just protect herself with the force. Okay, you know that the person is going to die. There's no way of... Oh, then yeah, Basila. <laughs> you know, I'm, this is a hot take. There is only one of the original Hotor companions that I actually like, like as a the- person. That I look and I'm like, I like you as a person. And that is Candorous Ordo. Okay. Which one? So I would choose Finn. He's the Mandalorian. Oh, okay. Um, I would choose Finn Shep just because, like B said, I was like, Finn Shep is my character. So, of course, I'm going to choose Finn Shep. But I also just, and this could kind of go with Bastila. Bastila really frustrates me. Um, I just think that, let me choose my words carefully here. She is a character who has not had a lot of tragedy or struggle in her life. And the minute that some of that happens, she caves and throws away everything that she claimed to so staunchly support. Hmm. Okay. I can see that for sure. Uh, You know, she didn't have, I mean, when she was talking about, like, her mom wasn't the most supportive person. Her dad was never around. Yeah, that's that's kind of 
quote, standard trauma, I guess, growing up. And then you went and lived with the Jedi and you trained with them and you became super powerful and well-respected and had your whole own life. And then something, a couple of bad things happened and it pushed you away from everything you've ever believed in. So maybe your belief system wasn't that strong. You didn't have that much faith in the light side. You didn't have much faith in the Jedi Council. Um, I see that. I think it's because she's privileged. Like, she's the most privileged companion. She may have faced adversity, but she hasn't faced, like, Juhani levels of adversity or anything. Or even Karth, who's, like, struggled a lot to just being a grunt. Because that's, that's hard. And, like, Basil is also, like, the golden child, so she's all special, and maybe she's had to work hard. She's got this attitude about her, and I'm just like, she needs to be humbled a little bit. And then she is, but her hubris is such that she has to, like, completely go to the dark side to get humbled, rather than just, like, a little dip in the toe in the water. So, I don't know. I'm glad it happened. She's probably a better person for it. But, yeah. That, and, like, her falling to the dark side was more the fact also kind of a cause and effect of finding that you, the person she's following, is Revan, the Dark Lord of the Sith, who she was sent to kill. She and knew that going in. Did she? Yeah. Yes. She was part of this. When she oh, recovers that's right. him, she was privy to his. She is the one who arranged for Revan to be that's on right. Endar's fire. I forgot about that. It's been a, It's been a minute. Yeah, but if anything, that just proves the point more that her foundation of faith was so weak because she literally like saw this former Dark Lord of the Sith, if you're playing it this way, like trending quite light side. And she's just like, oh, my God, I must just suck, I guess, because he's or she's clearly doing it. And they're supposed to be all bad. I'm supposed to be keeping watch. And here I am with all of these forbidden thoughts. And it's like. This is why I like what happened to them canonically, where they're gray side Jedi after that. Because to me, that just makes so much more sense. And that's what happens when you try to shove yourself in a box, is you just get all anxiety-filled like Bastila. I would argue they're not gray Jedi. Um, this is a big sticking point for me that I don't think Revan or Bastila are gray, gray Jedi at all. Uh, mainly because I think when push comes to shove, canonically, Revan and Bastila are going to fall on the light side. They just know that the light side is not limited to the Jedi teachings. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. what they know. Yeah. I think the Jedi Council would classify them as gray side, right? Just because they're not like super mm -hmm. devout no. Jedi. No? Because no, gray, gray Jedi is a fan-made concept. It was never endorsed by lucasfilm yeah. or lucas arts and um, like i mean we have a whole episode specifically on that so yeah no no they don't exist <laughs> the closest in universe definition of a gray gray jedi that we get is in kotor 2 for the sith lords and it comes from the Je gray jedi robes an item that you may never encounter because all of kotor's root loot is ram randomized oh wow um, but, and it just says these were Jedi who disagreed with the Jedi Check Council. They're still Jedi. They're still part of the order, but they just disagree and don't operate under I the Jedi I like, Council. I just like that. Like, I hate 
thinking that there's only two ways to be like you're either all good or all bad it's simple for a little space opera movie i guess what about the ones whose lightsabers they actually went through the ritual of purification and stuff what are they classified as like with ahsoka's white lightsabers uh-huh i mean ahsoka herself is ambiguous because there are points both in the variety of the thing where she says i'm not a jedi and then she does claim the jedi moniker like in her most recent show she's claiming the jedi moniker and we can talk about if you haven't seen the show there are reasons why she starts claiming that again but i'm not going to talk about that in case no one's seen it because you need to go watch it right I, it, it's hard to say because like the idea of like purifying a, a red kyber crystal is new. Mm. Um, it only came about with... 2019? Yeah, something like that. Something like that uh-huh. is when they started doing the whole... That's when they started actually going in depth. It's like, here's the actual effect of how a kyber crystal becomes red. And then with the Ahsoka novel, they gave in the reason how it be, how they can become white. But it was like 2019. It was like right before, or it was like right when Disney released uh, Galaxy's Edge is when they started putting more effort into the I think it's back the Darth, in lore. It's the Darth Vader's comics because yeah. he has to go get his lightsaber crystal. Mm-hmm. And Palpatine's basically like, go take it from a Jedi and bleed it. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay, so I knew the colors used to mean something, but then Mace Windu happened. Like, do they, do they just like retcon what purple is, or like purple never really had a right. There was no classification for purple in the core <laughs> okay. games. It was blue, red, green, and yellow, and then all the other colors were just like, hey, here's a fun color to use. The only reason we have purple in Star Wars is because Samuel Jackson wanted a purple lightsaber. That's that. That's your canonical reason. And he gets what he wants. Yeah. yeah. I also love his, the, the Jedi writing on his handle. It's the best. Yeah. Yes. That's it's from the, really uh, awesome. game. <laughs> did yeah. that. Uh, so back to KOTOR. One of these romances. I really actually, Bioware has this habit of throwing romances together and not really thinking through like the psychological state that these people are in and what romance should they even be in a relationship. And I'm, I say this as the co-host of the Dragon Age lore cast, like there are many Dragon Age romances where you're like, you need to go to therapy and figure yourself out before we ever bump uglies. You yes, know. Hawk, we are aware. <laughs> yes. All of Dragon Age 2, even Hawk, yeah oh especially hawk (laughs) but But yes and so i think kotor is no exception to this because i think bastel and revan is the same kind of thing i get with kylo ren and ray for a lot of reasons of are they really romantically involved do they have choice in this matter or is it just a result of their force bond is it just like what is really happening. And we know Revan and Bastila canonically, like they do end up like staying together and having a family and all of that stuff. But like, if you're just taking the game, taking KOTOR 
throw in like everyone going through traumatic instances along with Bioware's tendency to allow you to sneeze in someone's direction and they fall in love with you. I just think Bastila's romance seems are you actually in love or are you just trauma bonded? Well, and you can say the same thing. Like you can compare that to like Geralt and Yunin from The Witcher. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same. I mean, there's magic involved and whatnot, but still like both deal with too much crap. Yeah. No, that's the magic bond, the force bond between Revan and Bastila and then the gin between Geralt and Yennefer. Like it's the same. It really is. And it gets into the question of, like, from a storytelling perspective of, like, what are fated lovers? Um, And, you know, I was on here for when we talked about Bayek and Aya in a lot of ways. And one of the things I love about their romance is it's a point of, like, they don't end up together. Mm -hmm. It's kind of fighting against that fated to be together narrative that so often happens in video games um and then Karth's romance is obviously just like one i am just always confused of like does this actually like because there's no culmination of Karth's romance i always liked romancing Karth and then choosing the dark side option <laughs> making him run away on the beach yes i think that's funny um <laughs> but i'm also the person who romance anders and then kills him so you know yep um <laughs> <laughs> so no it, it is funny i fully agree i think karth i mean i think it's more of like the animation and just the way he screams i'll find a way and it, it's just, <laughs> it's too funny <laughs> I mean, it is the arms funny. flailing while you're running is freaking hilarious oh so i don't know if you know this but so in the second game depending on your choices that you make and whatever for your deciding the fate of Revan, HK-47 has some very interesting commentary where he mimics each different companion talking to Revan. And you really need to look it up. I'm not going to do it, but uh, he one for Karth, he's like, because HK always subs for Revan Master. He's like, oh, Master, I hate you. I'll never trust you. I'll never trust anyone. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Karth. <laughs> it's the Nailed exile, it. sir. It's the exile, <laughs> not Revan. Um, Just well, no, so when he's talking about Revan. Oh, when he's talking about Revan, yeah. Yeah. Oh. My sister said about Juhani, like... We're, I was thinking about this when uh, you were talking about Karth running away on the beach, and I was just thinking how far we've come with graphics and voice acting, honestly, because like they're all great actors, but it was still way back then when games were not the artistic masterpieces they are today. And my sister called Juhani a jump scare, and she really is, like, because she, she doesn't look she doesn't look great. Like I had no idea she was a feline thing person i know that what is it kathar 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 okay i it's my mission in life to mispronounce everything in star wars apparently but yeah i was like what and then i saw an actual drawing of her and it made more sense why she looked the way she did but i really didn't i don't know i she 
I hope that they make her look better in the remake and everyone. I know Karth is supposed to be all hot too, but everyone's just quite blocky. It was 2003. Right. You can tell that they at least attempted to make Karth attractive. My thing about Juhani is that in the romance novel, so much, or in the romance with Juhani, so much of it hinges on as Revan as this like savior s aspect person that comes into Juhani's life and comes to, you know, the Cathar homeworld and liberates them from the Mandalorians and then all kinds of stuff with her stuff on Terrace and everything. I just feel like Juhani at least loves the idea of Revan and not actually Revan, even though she doesn't do that. And it just makes me feel she, and she presents very young. And so because I did that romance as an adult i was like this feels gross mm. mm-hmm. yeah no i fully feel that one that's the youngness factor is kind of what has made me not ever want to romance tally personally just because even though legal adult you know it culturally emotionally everything like that adult she still reads as really young to me until like the end of mass effect three when she's finally an admiral and has a backbone um i mean she still talks about like sleepovers and shit though with you like that's a big romance scene for her so and i mean around the world like we just look at when you come of age it's not necessarily 18 or 21 so i don't know what the Koreans like when they send you out on your pilgrimage like how old you're supposed to be she definitely reads young. I'm I'm not sure about Juhani either. Do we know like exactly how old she is? Because I think I saw that Revan's supposed to be in his like mid to late thirties yes. during Kotor. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how old Juhani is. I know Basil is like ten years younger. Well, okay, so this is important. Um, Juhani is a Padawan, as is Bastila, and typically Padawans can range anywhere from like fourteen to twenty-two. Uh-huh. typically sometimes they're younger sometimes they're older but that's typically the um standard now you know they used to have all of this uh, so she's born in 3973 bby ben do you know when when the jedi civil war takes place on the top of my head no i thought it was close to the year 4000 I mean, yeah, that is, that's 27 years from the year 4,000 for her birth. Juhani? Yeah. Or Basila? Juhani. For Juhani. Juhani. So okay. Jedi Older Civil War. Older than I thought. Jedi uh, Civil War. 39-59 oh, is when it started. She, yeah, so she's 20 now. To 73. Ooh. Well, okay, so let's say that, let's take the right year. So she would be 20 in 3953 BBY, or she'd be 20 then. Oh, so she's like close to like 26, 27. No. No? She is... 17? She's 17. In KOTOR? Mm-hmm. If we take the latest date possible for her joining Revan. So what's the earliest date possible? Like 14 or something? 
the earliest date well it varies on the student so typically the battle of ricotta prime which is the end of kotor one takes place in 3956 so it's possible the game begins in 3955 so 16 is the youngest 16 17 is where she's at but like 17 is the oldest she could be Mm -hmm. yes and he's like 37 well that's just all sorts of disgusting i mean well it's lesbian romance but it does not matter that's a 20 year age gap and it's another thing about you know we can talk about cathar's age of maturity which might change it. But, you know, everyone talks about Mission is 14 because she states her age in game. And she's oh, the young on. one. She's supposed to be 14. They modeled Mi- her like an adult. Mission okay. is 14. She says she's 14. Because this is me and my cursor Star Wars. Is it Twi'lek? Twi'lek, Twi'lek. Yeah. Oh tomato, God. tomato. Twi'lek. Oh. Um, Twi'lek. This- the Star Wars here, here you can feel just this. I hate it. Everyone says know. it differently in universe. That's okay. true too. So you'll hear Athens? all of those in universe. So no well, one. Knows. I think that's George Lucas just being like, "Hey, say say it however you think it's going to be <laughs> said," because it's just a it builds the world as mm-hmm. more robust that that's people fair. are saying these words differently. Yeah, they could have made her look more like a kid, I think, in the modeling. I don't know what how Twi'leks age, but I know that they've always been like the sexy green alien for Star Wars. Not that they're green. That's like the trope name, sexy green alien. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because they're usually like exotic dancers, like every Star Wars thing ever. There's always a Twi'lek twerking somewhere. Shit, I slept with one of them too. I slept with the Twi'lek in Swotor. I don't know how old oh, she is. Oh, for your Sith uh, warrior? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's... Um... Oh, God. Um, I cannot remember her name on the top of my head, but she is, I know, at least over the age of 18. Yeah. So, like, all the all your companions in Tour over 18. Yeah, they all seem like grown-ass adults. Um, like, Kira's, like, in her 20s. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're telling me they made a game where you could like dark side freaking force what's that Wookiee's name to kill a 14 year old kid? Yeah. (laughs) Zalbar? Yeah. Yeah. It is. That is. Kotor 1 is a. It's a. It's it's dark. It's a trip. (laughs) The things you can do. I've done everything. So I've seen it all play out and like. I think because I was a teenager, like I did everything because like nowadays I can't go back to Mass Effect and I can't, I can't doom the Krogan to suffering another genocide or continuing the genophage. I've never, I've never killed Morden. I've never done any of that. Like, yeah, sorry. Uh, But I've done everything in KOTOR and yes, you can convince Zalbar to kill Mission. So we've had... We've had this question before on like a random day about who can be the bigger asshole, um, whether it was Shepard in Mass Effect, the Warden in Origins. But now I want to know, can Revan be even a bigger dick 
than the warden. So you can, as Revan, you can doom an entire species to continue live living under slavery. Uh, um, you can kill. Sorry, my counter to that is uh, with the golems. You can choose to keep them under slavery. Yes. Um, you can kill a ancient and necessary or like animal fish that is extremely necessary to the ecosystem of an entire world. Also disrupting the flow of culto, which is a healing property, which they desperately need to heal soldiers out on the field. So you can do that as Revan. You can pee uh, in the urn of sacred ashes. Yes. Can you actually pee in it? Or no, it's blood. Yeah. I didn't know. If you, uh, <laughs> so, and then I'm trying to go through all the things. Uh, you can just straight up pull an Anakin and slaughter an entire tribe of, of Tuscan raiders. Mm. Um, you can kill you, Zevran. Just right the end, Sten. And a lot of people right in their face. I've done that. Okay, but Zevran's asking for it, first of all. Um, And he was just asking for it. (laughs) Was his skin? Was his clothes too skimpy? He attacks you. (laughs) Wasn't this your first playthrough, Austin? On Zevran? Yeah. Yeah. My first playthroughs of Bioware games are bloodbaths. I cannot wait to blind play Dreadwolf and see how many people die. God, uh, I'm scared. But, uh, and then not can, not only can you infiltrate the Sith Academy on Korriban, but in your competition, you can kill all of your competition instead of saying, nah, I'm not going to try to earn prestige. I'm just going to kill everyone who's competing with me. Process of elimination. Mm-hmm. Then you can kill the master and a, and apprentice to the Sith Academy, causing a power vacuum, which causes the entire academy to implode on itself and everyone fight to kill that. Not to mention you can betray all of your companions leaving and kill them all, leaving only Candorous and the droids and Bastila left with you. And then you can basically convince the Republic that you're on their side, but then at the last minute, Bastila uses her battle meditation to turn the tide and just annihilate the entire Republic, not only also stranding Karth on the Rakatan planet of how the hell is he going to get off that planet when we just wiped out the entire Republic fleet. Okay. I think it's a good case. I think Shepard can be the biggest asshole but I think it's a tight race between the warden and Revan. Because hmm. I always thought that the warden was a bigger asshole than Shepard. Could be a bigger asshole than Shepard. I mean, it is true, because you can just, as the warden, you can just kill everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, you can just walk in and just decide to kill everybody. Yeah. You can't really do that to your companions in Mass Effect. No. I didn't realize how much shit you could do because like when I played that game I was such a baby I was always choosing all the goody two-shoes things and same with Mass Effect I'm always like hard paragon honestly Baldur's Gate's like the first time where I've ever made any kind of like not so nice choices and those are for very specific reasons there are some fun ones um you can 
Oh, no, this is KOTOR 2, so I guess that doesn't count. But basically, someone's attempting to mug someone. You can use the Force Persuade to convince them to give you all of their credits and then go jump in a giant chasm. Hmm. Give me all your money, then KYS. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hmm. What okay. else can you do? So Too I think we've definitely st strayed away again <laughs> from the romances, but I think this is a good yes. little quick spot for us to take a mid-break, reset ourselves, and then uh, talk about whether or not we would save Jack or Juhani. All right, everyone, Cantina dance with me into the mid-break. Huh. All right. Welcome to the middle of the show. We don't really have any fun facts to go over. You guys know all the information. Leave us a five-star rating on Spotify, on iTunes, on whatever plat podcast platform you listen to. I recently went through and made sure that all of the comments have been fully updated and are all published. Uh, and I'm loving seeing people interact with us on there. Uh, and of course, a huge major shout out and big love and thank you to all of our patrons, to Toasty and Apollo, Becky, Daddy Bat Knight, Stone Mystheos, Muffiny Cake, Mackenzie, and Winifer. <sighs> Very much appreciate all the love, major hearts. And then, of course, if you are in the greater Portland metropolitan area, Portland, Oregon, that is, in October, VNI will be hosting a panel on Sunday, October 15th, 1-5, uh, Sunday, October 15th, um, talking about video game romances and their tropiness at the Portland Retro Gaming Con. So come out. Come show, come say hi. I know that a couple of our other podcast friends will also be out there. So come have a little personalized meet and greet with us. We'll see you there. Whew, okay. So we had a lot of this chat, I guess, technically at the beginning of the show. So we'll expand upon it now. So we talked about if we're going to save Bastila or Femshep, and I think you guys voted... I think it was kind of split, right? I said Femshep. I said Bastila. Alright. Uh, and then whether Karth or Caden, I think we all unanimously picked Caden. You know, I don't blame Karth for not being trusting. I don't blame Karth for... All of the terrible things that happened. One, your wife has only been dead for like three years and you're going to jump into loving someone else. Not only that, you've been re reunited with your long lost son. Remember her. It's fine. Right. <gasps> oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a point that needed to be made a little bit more adamantly because yeah. he's like, I can't. I can't. I can remember her smile, but I can't remember her face. Can't remember her I, face. And it was like four years previously. You can't remember her face, Karth. But that dude that he hates. I see your face before I go to sleep every night, motherfucker. Maybe you can't remember your wife because you're holding too much hate in your heart. Yet you're the most high high side high light sided. Mm, I don't know about that. 
He's only like high light sided because he's for the Republic. That's the only reason. <laughs> OK, because holding that much hate in your heart to see somebody else's face over your loved ones before you go to sleep every night. I have a question. Who says holding hate in your heart leads to the dark side? Yoda. Yeah. Convenient, huh? That Yoda would say that. Because <laughs> he's Being on the light council. Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. Be, don't be hating on Yoda. Yeah. I was oh, like, no. That's a line, I, honey. <laughs> I'm not hating on Yoda. I'm just saying, like, you can have hate in your heart and not be Sith. Yeah. I think that even, like, this is like with the Jedi and all the things, there's what the Jedi are supposed to be. And then there's what they are. A lot of big thing that's in context of the Jedi Council, especially during the Clone Wars, is that around a thousand BBY, so like a thousand years before A New Hope, there's this big battle called the Battle of Rusan. It ends thing and the Jedi get placed under the direction of the Senate. So they go from being a religious sect that is independent to being an arm of the Republic government. Mm -hmm. And that to me is the moment that they become corrupt because now they're acting at the whims of politicians versus acting on what should actually be right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. As Yuri uh, Kat said in the comments, kind of like Christians. And I totally agree. I think on an individual level, Jedi is awesome, but then you have any kind of organized religion and there can be problems with that mm -hmm. when you try to like rule with it. And in Karth's defense, also Yuri Kat said, and she brought up a good point because I totally forgot that he said that. He said, I think I could love you. Not that he was already in love with Revan. Mm -hmm. So he's not like totally over his wife, um, but it sounds like he could get over her real fast. But I think what's frustrating about Karth is that I don't get frustrated with his interactions with Revan. I get frustrated with his interactions with his son. Mm. Mm -hmm. So much because he has held on to this hatred so much that he cannot see the child in front of him. And you basically, to get him to reconcile with us, you basically have to like be like Karth, like you are being an idiot. Like, stop it. Rather than being like rejoicing that his son is alive and trying to get there, he's so focused on the fact that his son joined the Sith and can't figure out what to do there. Um, oh, that's another thing. You could um, basically romance Karth and then kill his son in front of him. Oh, and does he stay with you? no okay i was gonna <laughs> Thank say you've got some kind of agency <laughs> oh my gosh i mean i think that's a nice dynamic like karth is the type of person that i could see being that kind of bullheaded father of like you're not what i wanted you to be so now i'm mad at you which is obviously not the kind of parenting that is recommended is you should be open-minded and as much as you want to influence your kid your kid should also and will inevitably influence you back not that karth should become sith you don't have to be that open-minded but like you know it, it's just to me i it's wild because i have a kid so i'm like if i thought my kid was dead and then i saw my kid was like i don't know in a cult i'd be like okay yay you're alive let's get you out of the cult 
but like not immediately launch into, oh, you're so stupid. How could you do this? Blah, blah, blah. So mean. It's also like a son thing. I feel like stereotypically dads are so much harder on their sons and their daughters. Not that he has a daughter, but could be that coming into play. I don't know. Karth's a mess. All right. So final question on Karth. Are we saving Karth or Caden? He's a dick. (laughs) I'm saving Caden. At least Caden's like, you know, nice. Yeah. And, and he I has think, biotics, and Karth can't use yeah. the force. That too. I, I think the thing about like Karth is so self-righteous, and Caden is really not. Like Caden holds so much like baggage, especially over the story of where he like biotic kicks the person and kills them instantly. Mm. Um, he holds so much like grief, and he's like, "No, I am not perfect." Like. I'm not anywhere near that. And like, yes, we can talk about Caden's self-righteousness in Mass Effect 2, but yeah, I honestly think Bioware put that in there just to create drama, mm-hmm. and they didn't really think through the decision of that companion leaving you. Yeah. I agree with that. And Caden has some of the cutest little lines in the entire trilogy to me. You bring him to the frozen planet in Mass Effect 1, and he steps off the ship and goes, hmm, I should have brought my sweater. And it's just, like, so <laughs> adorably cute. Like, it's stupid cute. I love it. <sighs> just be cute enough, and we'll save you. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. All right. Our third character to speak of. And also another duality here. We have Courtney Taylor, who is both Juhani and Jack. Who do we? Th- I don't know in this one because Juhani has. I don't left. know. She There's has a question had- in your mind. Okay, who's the bigger trauma survivor? You know, it's like Jack. 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 Jack has experimented on for years. Yeah, yeah, Johanny was a slave, and that sounds horrible. Well, and her, she has a lot uh, of trauma, her, and she saw her also, dad get killed. Her well, Johanny's entire blown up. I was gonna say Johanny's species is basically on the verge of extinction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and they're not around in the original trilogy. Like by the no. time the prequels or the original trilogy, like her her species <laughs> essentially almost goes extinct. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I I really feel bad for Jihadi, but like, there's no saving her. They're saving Jack, though. I think, no say- oh, I oh. think this is what it comes to. Yes, Jihadi falls to the dark side and she slays her master, Quatra, and does all of that. But Jihadi has a found family in the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Without the crew of the Normandy, Jack has no one. Jack is yeah, alone. Jack's in cryo prison. Uh, and so, like, to me, Jack, if we're answering the question, like, who's the bigger trauma? It's Jack. A hundred percent. Just because Jack has never been able to make a choice for herself for most yeah. of her life. Whereas Juhani, yes, you can talk about growing up in Terrace and everything like that. But once she becomes a Jedi, she at least gets some freedom of choice that she can make there. 
But she's like a real cat, though. Like, no matter what, she's going to wind up on someone's balcony and they're going to adopt her. She will be fine. Jack, on the other hand, needs to be rescued from prison. And then, yes, in Mass Effect 3, she has her students. And then you can kind of encourage that relationship a bit more. And then, you know, you can hope that after the Reapers are destroyed or whatever non-canon ending you chose, that they will then, you know, Jack will continue to heal and stuff. And like, Johanny's like, whatever. She gets a medal. She gets to hear the Wookiee make the sound at the medal ceremony, like at the ending of every Star Wars. And then what happens to her? What happens? Do you see her in KOTOR 2? Is she, like, around? No, we don't nope. have any update. Um, she has a brief mention in the Revan novel, but it's basically just, like, he's Revan is basically, like, Juhani's too tied to the Jedi for her to come with me. Mm. Yeah. And apparently, if we just would left her in the grove, she would have eventually found out that she didn't actually kill her master, and it was, quote-unquote, all a test... And then she would have just gone back and continued being a Padawan. Stupid test, but whatever. Okay. I have strong feelings about that one. I think it's dumb. Make her think she killed someone and then wallow. Yeah, oh, no. It, it happens more often than you think in the Jedi order. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not surprised that that exact plot has been copy and pasted a few times, just like everything else in Star Wars, which I'm not hating on Star Wars. I love Star Wars. It's not broken. Don't fix it. But... They borrow a lot from themselves. Look, listen, this is my beef with KOTOR, especially the KOTOR 1 Jedi Council. They send three Padawans on this super important mission. They send Juhani as a Padawan. They send Bastila, who is a Padawan, and they send brainwashed Revan, who, yes, is a technically a Jedi Knight, but is a Padawan, with no master and just are just like, Hey, just go figure it out. I work with teenagers and I'm telling you, I would never in my life send three teenagers to go to the grocery store without an adult. That's what I'm saying. Like they made the most unhinged decisions, but they have cars. (laughs) Wish Han Solo. I'll make that joke one more time because it's so accurate. Like, he what does he do what does he do he lost Bastila within the first five seconds of the game so his one job is already he's failed and then the whole time Bastila in the game is like i'm a jedi i'm a jedi i'm a jedi and you're like no you're not you're a padawan like i thought she was a jedi until you told me she was a padawan because she told me all the time that she was a jedi and i was just like you're apparently a bit high on your horse there and she's supposed to be all super special and stuff, but then she immediately gets lost and captured and Princess Leia'd. And then Revan, who this is that's the biggest beef for me out of the whole thing, is they're like, who best to do it besides the former Dark Lord of the Sith to do this very important Jedi mission? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And what that's why the Jedi Council to me are like chiefs in the Navy. They don't do anything. They're just right. there being in charge, but like they're not doing anything. I mean, it's up there when you compare it to, like, the prequels of, like, Attack the Clones. Like, hey, Anakin, go on this super mission with this super sexy senator that we know you have had a crush on since you were 10 years old. By the way, don't fall in love with her. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) 
Yeah. There's yeah, like I mean, letting there's there's letting people fail on their own, and then there's just sending people to failure. But then they're they're gonna twist it as they do. The Jedi Masters like, oh, but it was a lesson. It was all a test. Here you go. And I that that to me is like it's just a cop out and gaslighting. It's like it wasn't a test. It was yeah. just you being dumb, and now you're trying to tell me it was a test when I passed it, quote unquote, or whatever. And then like the hero's journey is always like they throw this dumb little chosen one kid in who somehow I don't know why we love stories like that. Like I for once would like to see a story where it's that's why I think Mass Effect is so good because you have a hero who is literally like, here's my credentials for heroism. <laughs> like I, I can do this. It's on my resume. Um, yeah. And like I get Luke, I feel like is a little better because at least like like Obi-Wan, old Ben is all the time being like, no, don't go be reckless. Mm-hmm. Don't be an idiot. They kind of like the similar to Brahm's character in the inheritance cycle of like, Brahm is constantly telling Aragon, like, no, you're a child and an idiot. Stop and let the adults handle this. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like, that's what it needs. And why it just. You're talking about like in KOTOR, it is a bunch of younger people and now come to find out some actual literal children are being sent on this mission. Like what the actual fuck? And then when we're talking about within the Jedi and even within the Sith world as well, you have a master, you have a lord, and then you have somebody that is training underneath you. So that way you can learn all the ways to be working in this universe. There's a system. They should have had a master with him. But then it wouldn't be a game because then you would assume that you are the master in the situation. You're not going to be a Padawan to a master as the player character. I mean, this isn't the Jedi Council system, but you do get Jolie, who by all means is an experienced Jedi Knight. But he's also a crazy hermit who doesn't give two craps about the Jedi and their rules who's basically, oh, you want to sleep with the sexy space sorceress? Go ahead. Not helping. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Which sorcerer is the proper term, because remember they say, don't confuse us with your sorcerer's ways, Lord Vader. Yes. No, that's true. Yeah, and uh, because I was a Sith marauder. I know. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I never thought I would like the Sith until I met you, so. No. <laughs> I mean, Liking the Sith is the trap of the dark side. That's their whole trap of making you think they're actually awesome and the good guys. You're right. I believe that Daddy Bat Knight in chat was asking, good, somebody can finally talk some sense into Jen about the differences between the Sith and the Jedi. You can try, but you're not going to. No. I mean. It's not happening. Jen's a Sith, on, period. On... <laughs> if we're we're doing a scoreboard, the number of species that the Jedi have genocide have committed genocide against versus the number of species that the Sith have committed genocide against. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just um, saying. <laughs> okay, so with my thought, Cathar. With my generalization of the Sith are more emotionally driven than the Jedi. True or false? 
I think that's false because the sit the Jedi are both of them teach that you are the master of your emotions. It's just how whereas the Jedi teach that with rage and anger, it's not about not feeling them. It's about recognizing them and bringing yourself to a moment of peace. Um, it's a from one of the Ahsoka shows or something. She says, anger and rage are quick to power, but they unbalance you. Which is that, you know, I have a big thing about, everyone always talks about in The Force Awakens how Rey beats Kylo and it's not explained. The reason is because Rey remembers the force and centers herself in a moment of peace and Kylo is unhinged. That's mm-hmm. going to win out every time about regardless of power level. And so that's, whereas the Sith are more about taking that and that anger and that rage and turning it into raw power, but none of neither of them would advocate for you being solely ruled by either emotion. I mean, it's constant, like, I'm trying to think of it. There's an example. Um, there's a lot where like Vader tries to like take, tries to go against Palpatine and uses his rage and all of that to try to do that. And Palpatine bests him because Palpatine has had, you know, decades, if not a century of controlling his rage mm-hmm. and making it direct. And Vader has no control. Mm. And so that's, so that's why I said, Neither of them, I would say, are ruled by their emotions. It's just they both seek to control their emotions. Just how they do it is different. Okay. So I had always interpreted it as like Jedi try to like control and center and bring down their emotional levels. So that way they can be in that calm meditative state. Whereas a Sith Lord is out there trying to build up the emotions to gain like a, a like in my view it's a fuller picture of all of the emotions that a, a person can feel um so it's a little bit more of a i will feel the emotion i will let it throw flow through me i will let it influence the decisions that i make but still be in control of the emotions where i just felt like jedi are a little bit more logical and calmer but that's when uh, in I mean, my if they were more logical and calmer than Anakin would never have fell to the dark side. <laughs> well, I think that's why he did fall is because he couldn't right. do that. Oh, yeah. I think for a Jedi and it comes back to like Anakin's famous little quote of we're encouraged to love. Um, I think the Jedi are taught to have um, compassion and care for things. Um, I think this is a difference of, I think the Jedi's like the way they forbid attachment is really what is the crux of where they've taken it a step too far Mm -hmm. because there's a way for a Jedi to be attached and still maintain the Jedi. And I think if you look at the difference between Kane and Jarrus and Anakin Skywalker, Anakin, and I've said this on our show. So Ben's going to be like, Austin, you've said this for the 10 millionth time whatever but anakin there was never going to be a scenario that anakin would entertain where he dies and padme lives the attachment Mm. always had to be both of them there whereas kanan is a hundred percent willing to sacrifice himself to ensure the protection of the people that he loves 
and he loves them and he's attached to them and he doesn't want to live without them, but he knows the greater good. Anakin would never sacrifice himself for the greater good because he always wants to stay attached to what he has. Right. Yeah. I feel like most people are like that. I mean, yeah. I don't want to sacrifice myself for the greater good. No, I'm supposed Anakin... to know it's for the greater good if you're dead. You won't even know if it mattered. Because Annie had the possibility of sacrificing himself in order to save his children, and he didn't. And I think that like that is hypothetical something. hypothetical children, or like they were already in existence. No, uh, Luke and Leia. The uh, Padme's children. I mean, they lived. Yeah, but he didn't know. He yeah. didn't know that he... until much, much later. And he does make that sacrifice eventually. Eventually. He... So let's do a final thoughts and ideas that we have about the three characters that we have tangented so far away from. But we knew that that was what this show was going to be about tonight. It was a wrap-up episode where we go through all the million different conversations that we've wanted to be having this whole time. Uh, thank you also for the pronunciations. Uh, Cathar was one of the ones that I was like, I don't know if I'm saying this one right. It was the only one that I wasn't sure on. Bastila. Would you romance her today? Mm. So that's that's. Mm. I don't think so. I think if I played them for the first time today, given the like, and I know this was one of the questions about like how video game romance has evolved since KOTOR, because KOTOR was really one of the first that was like a big thing of like you had a romance that you could choose. Um, I think I would just be disappointed and I would be like, oh, we just kissed. Like, what the heck? Come on, Bioware. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I mean, knowing me, I'd probably still romance her regardless. I don't know. I'm I'm just simple like that. <laughs> I think that it's so well, tough because she frustrates me so much about everything and her inability to see that someone else her perspective is not necessarily the reality like even when it comes to the relationship with her mother like her mother in her own ways was really just trying to protect her and give her the best life that she thought she could have granted helen sean is not the most affectionate person or warm person in the world uh but like Bastila, it literally takes you going and killing a crate dragon to even get her to consider, oh, maybe my mom isn't so terrible. And I guess for me, I would be like, I would think like, okay, so what's going to be the little thing that I do that shifts me into this category of irredeemable? Because apparently I can kill an entire, I can enslave an entire species. Um, and Bastila still wants to jump my bone, but, you know, send you to the Jedi for a better life. Uh, go to hell. The one that got me was when she was just like, oh, my mother just wanted to use up all my father's money. My poor hardworking dad, who was a treasure hunter. 
So he's just going into culturally important places and stealing treasure and selling it for money. And you're mad at your mom for buying groceries with that money. I'm very confused. Mm. All right. Final thoughts and feels on Karth. He's a dick. (laughs) Who can eat a bag of them for all I care. I think that like, if Karth actually gave a heartfelt apology in the game, it might make it a little better. But his like apology is one of those of like, I'm sorry you were mad. Like it's still your fault that you're mad, but I'm sorry that you feel that way. I'm sorry you're so untrustworthy. Yeah. I'm sorry that you interpreted my actions that way and that it that you really think that you're feeling this way. I'm sorry that this is the way that you know that you interpreted it. I'm sorry. Top 10 things I can say that will wind up me being divorced. (laughs) I'm sorry. I jammed my lightsaber through your gut. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. Hey, you know, at this point, stabbing through the gut. Don't even go there, It's not even a big deal. (laughs) And Jen went dirty, but I had to jump in there before she... Said something about no, go there, go words. there. <laughs> it is the two girls one shit. Uh, it is. I mean, if you my, can stab all the way to my guts, Ben, that's that's a whole different story. <laughs> um. Nope. Okay. I, um, Reese. Okay, I'm gonna let this flow through and go to the next one. Juhani. I don't even know if we let. Austin do his big rant that he's been wanting to say the whole time about Gianni. I mean, it's just that it was mainly that her romance, it makes me feel icky. She's very like infantile in her presentation. And I just, and like, no, I have no interest in this. Like you are a child. You Mm -hmm. are a, you are learning, you are growing and in a lot of ways, like, she looks to you in a very mentor role as Revan. And that is just gross. Yeah, I definitely learning that she's that young is, uh, I don't like that. And then we talked about whether or not it was actually a modded relationship or not. I think that that's something that's kind of been lost to time now on whether the what was part of cut dialogue, what part was actual original in-game canon, and then what the intention was with that. Because we know that we, we've seen stuff from David Gator and Drew Carpishan about um, wanting to put a lesbian romance in through Juhani. And so hopefully that that actually, at least parts of it were originally in the game canon. And then of course they added more to it later through modding and, uh, dialogue recovery. But yeah, I don't, I don't like the fact that she's 17. That's not cool. Not cool at all. Maybe for the remake, they might age her up a bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Because with the remake, I knew they were going to make changes. Mm. Um, so we could get even more romance options. Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. Even if they do age her up, though, she still has to like get past blaming Revan for blowing up her second homeworld. 
And that might just be too big of a leap for romance, but I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I still love Solas, so. And I still love Anders. So now that I have gotten this on the wiki, it looks like her romance was intentional. It is extremely difficult to pull off. Oh, just like Liliana. (laughs) Yes. Um, Well, Liliana's not a hard romance to pull off. Well, you have to get the right. You have to like speak to her at the right given time when you're in Lotharine, and half the time I don't talk to people in Lotharine. Yeah, so it's in there. Uh, But Johanny is canonically a lesbian because Mm -hmm. she has this um, person, uh, Bayala. Bayala. Yep. Um, And so. And that is heavily implied. Like, I mean, history, historians would say they were roommates, but, you know. <laughs> Just really good friends. Yeah. yeah. If you look in Juhan, in like the code of the game, I guess, like you can see the script says, um, if Revan female, like it sets Juhani romance to true only. Mm-hmm. So... Also, that way you can prove, quote unquote, she's a lesbian, at least in the game. But she's, they've been, they've said she is. So, but just, I guess, due to that glitch in the beginning at release where the dialogue would trigger for male Revan 2, it, it led people to think she was bi back then. Mm-hmm. But she is not supposed to be. And they fixed that in a patch at some point. So we shouldn't have that happen now unless you mod it, in which case I think modding sexualities like that that are supposed to be like intended and then modding to have access outside of what their supposed sexual identity is. Or I think that's a little iffy. Just romance your options, people. I don't know. Yeah. Or make a player character that aligns with what that character wants because it's nice to have agency with your romance options. Don't take it away with mods. I was just talking to somebody about this earlier today, and so I could tangent even further, but I feel like that would be a whole nother hour uh, based on player sexual versus bisexual versus like gender defined sexualities. Defined sexualities yeah. 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 I need to kick Kethrick Thorne's ass before I fall asleep tonight. So whenever we're ready, okay. I think we've wrapped up KOTOR very well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, So I think I kind of shouted everything out at the beginning of the show, but guys, why don't you go through them again? All right, I'll go first. Uh, So you can obviously find us both. The only place you'll find us both together, other than this episode of this podcast, is on the Holocron Histories podcast, where we talk about Star Wars canon versus Legends. Uh, You can check us out there. You can find me on the Dragon Age Lorecast and the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can also find me on, if you're in a Discord server, odds are I'm in the Discord server too, because I'm in all of them. Every I don't talk in all of them. One. <laughs> but I'm in all of them. Yeah. Just like Austin, you can find me together with him on Holocron Histories. You can also find me on my three other shows, the Wizard World Lorecast, the Final Fantasy Lorecast, and now the newly added Witcher Lorecast, where I took over Tom's spot and am co-hosting with Toasty, and it's fantastic. I know Jin has thoughts. 
hot? No, just the way that you said, like, I took over Tom's spot. Like, you, like hey, you whacked I did. him upside the head and, like, took him over. <laughs> ben is the new Tom. Oh. I did say that in the newest episode. He was like, I'm not Tom. I'm the new <laughs> And if you like what you're hearing here, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes or on Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can now find me on the Cyberpunk Lorecast with my co-host, Toasty, uh, where we explore the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future for all things Cyberpunk, uh, which is the game that I will be going to play right after this finishes. I'm going to go run through our Saka Tower yet again, because I like pain. And, of course, in our Two Girls, One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord. And come give us a follow on all the social medias and on patreon.com slash twogirlsoneship. Our theme music was composed by the ever-talented Pipe Man Studios, and our artwork was designed by the esteemed Let's Not. Links are in the description. I'm also on the Robots Radio Discord and in our own Two Girls, One Ship Discord server where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live streams on Twitch on Fridays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. I totally meant to say this earlier, but you can find all of the shows that we talked about tonight by going to robotsradio.net. And each one of those shows is listed on there and you'll be easily able to find it. So, yes, thanks for listening. And remember... Beauty's in the eye of the controller. And may the force be with you. (laughs) No, ah, damn it. And live long and prosper. Swooping is bad. Stay safe on the path. (laughs) I was about to say that. (laughs) Stay safe in Night City. May the crystals guide you. Oh, is that your new one for Final Fantasy? That is. Hi, I'm Aaron. And I'm Ariel. And we're the hosts of the Legend of Zelda Lorecast, a podcast about all things Legend of Zelda, from Errol to Zora. And all the fun things in between. If you're ready to dive deep and learn more about the Legend of Zelda lore and everything surrounding it, come join us on the Legend of Zelda Lorecast. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We hope to see you soon.